Bonjour, je suis Stéphane Franck, le créateur de, du comic book Silver, et je suis ici pour vous souhaiter la bienvenue en français sur le podcast Spoiler Country. Human beings of the world, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on scpod.net. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, it's our good friend, our buddy, our confidant, Mr. Stephen Frank. Yeah, man. We got him coming back on. Talk about a new book he's doing. Yep. Called Palomino. And we're going to find out all that he has to offer and what's going on and the Kickstarter and how you can actually participate and what you can do to, to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, I've already backed it, so I know I'm already getting my copy. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I had I mean, to. I, I wanna, had to. Yeah, I want to back it. I, I should I'll back it tonight. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 worth it for sure. Oh yeah. It's always worth it. Stefan Frank, come on. Yeah, I mean the guy's <laughs> silver and iron giant and everything else. It's the guy's amazing, man. That's right. He's just a, he's a good guy. It's gonna be an amazing story, I guarantee it. But uh why don't we sit back and listen to Stefan in his own words? Sounds good. Right, guys welcome back today is super special to one of our closest friends uh, a confidant a guy that we always love reading his work seeing what he's creating and just being a part of his life Stefan frank thank you so much for coming back man thank you for having me guys it's just always a pleasure yeah we're gonna we're gonna hit up your new Kickstarter campaign. Uh, if people don't know Stefan had a very successful campaign with a a, a, an amazing book called Silver went through quite a few volumes. Even had an extra hardcover back, um, which was amazing. Rosalind's Diaries, and hopefully you guys got a part of that. If not, you can go to Dark Planet. I think it's darkplanet.com. Is that right? Uh, it's darkplanetcomics.com. Darkplanetcomics.com and yeah. check out uh, what he has, and you can get caught up on Silver, which was awesome. But now you got a whole new story and ready for us. Yeah, um, yeah. I have a book called Palomino, and it's uh, so exciting. It's, it's, thank you. It's a book that you know it's coming from different like life adventures that I've been on since I was a kid. Yeah, and in a weird way, they kind of all converged uh, with this book. So um, you know, the first the first thing is a, it's an LA crime story, like an LA noir uh, kind of book. So it's like everything you love about LA crime. And it's all based on actual, um, you know, loosely inspired by, uh, 
real life weird LA history. And it, but it's a neo noir thing in the sense that it takes place uh, in a subculture that you've never seen in that type of setting. It's in 1981, and it's in the country music clubs of Los Angeles. Oh, nice. Yes. Are you a big country music fan? I am a country music fan. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, I, I trust me, you're going to learn a lot of weird shit about me on, on this show. Yeah. Um, uh, because, uh, so, so, you know, we're in 1981. We're at the Palomino, which is a real place that really existed, like a historic club here in North Hollywood uh, that had been open for 40 years. It closed in the mid-90s. Um, and uh, it's like a hotbed of music and cultural influences of many, many kinds. And it's, of course, like, um, you know, you're in 1981, so the image of the cowboy is just everywhere, you know, uh, in media, in music, even like the president, you know, was yeah. an cowboy. And all of it came from California, and a lot of it came from that club. Um, and, and so, yeah, like a really amazing setting for a noir story. Um, I like it. And so, thank you. And, and so, so we have that, that element. It's also, you know, you know, everything I do, there's a big sort of genre, but there's also like a big, um, sort of human element to it, yeah. you know? And, um, <clears throat> and this one, so it's a noir story. So the guy, you know, uh, is, uh, He's an ex-cop who's now begrudging PI uh, by day, but who also is the pedal steel guitar player of the Palomino in the house band by night. So he's kind of like in those two worlds. Um, and uh, and he, you know, but full-time really, he's the, the dad to this teenage daughter who's as rebellious, as badass, yeah. as, you know, sassy and kind of an old soul as he is. And, you know, um, and... But, you know, but their life has been sort of disrupted by this really tragic event that's been unresolved. And uh, they were kind of running out of time to, you know, to, to figure their family back together. Um, and that, that's an aspect um, that really came from the fact that when I was starting to, in fact, that was my way into this story because I've had this concept of Palomino as a crime story for years. But kind of last year, you know, my youngest daughter graduated from college. And so uh, that's like a big page in my life was turning. Wow. That kind of made me want to look back and kind of re revisit that relationship, you know, of, of the parenting relationship and what my own journey was in there. And, uh, you know, and, and so I thought that was really, really interesting. And so that was really was my way into the story. And the third element that really comes into Palomino is that and that's the part that you didn't know probably is that um, I'm a musician also. And you know, when I was growing up in France, I had really two things going on. I had uh, the comics and animation, that kind of stuff, but I also had music. That's awesome. And since I was a teenager, you know, I was playing the clubs and stuff like that, you know, and in the, in the mid eighties in France, we had this big rockabilly revival, you know, with the straight cast kind of started everything, yeah. but then it kind of, the whole subculture kind of, exploded there and i was like totally into it and from rockabilly you kind of move to different you know you discover all sorts of roots music you know from country to blues and stuff like that and one stuff that i really fell in love with was california country rock and so uh, uh when i came to live here 25 years ago it was in 95 so it was literally 
the year that the Palomino closed. So by the time I got here, it was closed actually. But yeah. so I never got to visit it that way. But uh, for years, you know, I played the clubs here in LA, you know, and the country music club and pl- became friends and got to work with all those guys. And so like that thing really became part of my life. So I, so there's a lived in sort of experience that I have with all this that I think is merging with everything else, with the storytelling, with the comic, with the drawing, with the, yeah. and it's just becoming this, this, this really very, very personal, um, story that I, I is super fun. I mean, like, again, first and for, foremost, it's a crime noir story with like two super fun characters at the center the father and the daughter. But, uh, yeah, it just became more me than anything else I've done, I guess. Oh, that's cool. And this is like, it's color. You, it's got, what, sir? you got color in this. Yes. Yes. You know, it's popping too. That, that first video that you show, Right when you and everybody go to Kickstarter, uh, and you can just look up Palomino or you can just do a search for Stefan Frank and it pops right up. And look at all the stuff that he has. If you want to be a backer, he's got some great stuff. Um, and just so you know, the last 200 pledge just got done because that was me. Oh man, so I will be a cameo in volume two. Yes, you're in there, man. I'm in there, so yeah. But there's lots here for everybody to get into. You can do the digital copy, of course. Uh, you can get a physical copy for for twenty bucks, which is great. You get a full digi bundle for twenty five, and then you have your uh, thirty two or more, which is a Palomino plus one physical copy, volume one trade paperback plus a physical copy of your choice of one of the silver volumes. Um, if you don't, if you read silver, then start with volume one because. Uh, you definitely want to do that. And then you got the $45 value physical copy of Palomino plus one signed Palomino 11 by 17 art print. Uh, when you guys see the art, you're going to be like, oh my God, I got to have this because Stefan, uh, and this is not blowing smoke, Stefan, you're you're an amazing artist. So I always tell people you need to check out your stuff. Yeah, you. I mean, you got, you got, a, you got a stuff at 75, 85, and 105. There's so much here. And I guarantee this story is going to blow your socks off. I, I'm excited to get this going. Oh, thank you. You know, the the thing that really, was really fun with the art, with the, well, first you mentioned the color. Yeah, and it's the color. True. So silver, because I always try to have the art kind of uh, always already put you in a certain space, yeah. you know, uh, creatively, you know. And for silver, it was like this very sort of, uh, um, uh, what you call it, uh, um, expressionistic uh, uh, black and white, Fritz Lang, you know. Uh, so, you know, everything was about shadows and black ink and, and you know, characters would lurk out of that, yeah. you know, would lurk in there and kind of jump out. And, and so it was really cool. It was very operatic. Yeah. Uh, it, it really uh, lured you in. Yeah. Um, but this, this is LA, right? So everything is, is lit under the sun. The, the, you know, the secrets are out in plain sight, you know, in, hidden kind of inside the characters, not in shadows, you know? So... It's, uh, you know, this, this book really needed color. And it was, at first I was a little bit apprehensive. I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of color for like illustrations and, uh, yeah. uh, covers and stuff, but I'd never really done interiors. And I think I, I, I found the voice that I was looking for, for it. And I'm just, I'm just loving it. Um, and, uh, um, but also it's a book that is extremely specific. 
artistically because it's a time and place. Uh, so I'm really trying. It's kind of my love letter to life in LA. You know, like you know, when my daughter uh, saw it, so the first few you know pages, you know, and she's she's in France right now. She uh, and uh, she was like, oh man, you know, dad, this this is making me homesick. <laughs> so, I knew that it was kind of capturing like the the experience of it. Yeah, that um, moment in time. That moment in time, that sense of place, that kind of familiarity, that kind of authenticity, and also the fact that you know when you think LA, you're thinking movies, and, yeah. and so for you know, so I've done something to an extent I had, had not done before for a book where um, I, I built a lot of the sets uh, as uh, in CGI and used them for reference. And so, like, oh, that's the, cool. The the Palomino itself, right? So, so it doesn't exist anymore, but the structure right. is still standing, and it's a banquet hall now. So you can you can go in, you can do whatever, you know. And so I went in there, I kind of walked around and paced, the, and it looks the same, like except for the cosmetic stuff, right? I mean, it's uh, you know the sign physically is still there, the stage inside is the same, the floor plan inside is still the same, whatever, right? And and so. I took a million photos of everything inside, outside the parking lot, all that stuff. And then I build a CG model out of it. And once you have that, then it always starts with, you know, uh, layouts and rubs that I do from just from storytelling and imagination. And I just scribble stuff out as I sit in my head. Then you build the set, and then sometimes you, you recreate exactly what, what you had in mind. And sometimes you go, like, scatter around this place a little bit. And you find stuff, you know, and if you shoot it with the right lens and, and stuff like that, then all of a sudden it's like seen through a movie lens and then it's even more LA than you even realized, you know? Right. That's crazy. You built scenes in CGI so that you could build around it to really get capture the aesthetics and the emotion that you're going for. Exactly. How long did it take you to build a scene for like that? Doesn't it just takes a few hours? Honestly, you know, uh, I do it in SketchUp, and uh, so it's pretty quick. Um, and and like for you know, and you use a lot of reference. For instance, for Palomino, for the the club itself, yeah. it's in Lancashire, on Lancashire in North Hollywood. So you can go to Google Earth, and then it, it just you see like the footprint. Yeah, you know what I mean. So then you just built on those foundations, and and everything is immediately the right size, the right proportion. And then you look at it and go, Oh yeah, that looks, that looks like the thing, you know? Yeah. And then of course the fun after that is that because, you know, I, it, you know, I have a certain art style that I, uh, uh, I like to be coherent and consistent and artistically pleasing. And I, I really hate it when you, when you can sort of like spot the CG, you know, in the books and stuff like that. Right. All of a sudden it's not as organic and stuff. So I use it for reference and then I redraw it and you can't tell where CG stopped or started versus like a freehand drawing. It all comes together. And I think the style is uh, completely unified and, and uh, doesn't break at all. Yeah, that's cool. When did you think you came up with this this project? Was it something that has been stewing before your your last project, or is this something that you had and then the emotional aspect of the father and the daughter and bringing in how your experiences into it came later, or was this always been there? No, the the, the father daughter really came this year. So like the way it works for me is that I have this whole slate of projects in my head 
that yeah. is you know it's based on like I love noir, so I always knew I wanted to do like a crime noir story. And then I sometimes I get a high concept, like for this guy, you know, this, yeah. this case, it was like, okay, the, in this setting with the pal and all that stuff. Um, and that kind of stays there and it kind of orbits as like a Halley's Comet or something. And every, so, you know, it comes back around every year or two and you're like, oh, yeah. Whatever. And then I let it go for another lap or whatever. But then, you know, sometimes something happens and I just suddenly I know what it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, and th- and th- th- at that point, I just become. I just become obsessed with it and I just got, I just have to do it. You know, <laughs> like in this case, it was really the father daughter thing. And also like the fact that, um, with the 1981 setting and, uh, you know, I've always loved stories that I would, uh, file under sort of like the end of the American century type stories, you know, like, uh, from, you know, Watchmen, Forrest Gump, all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's kind of looking at that cycle. Um, that starts after World War II and that ends, you know, in the Reagan years, you know? Right. And, but all those, those stories were kind of sort of written at the time. So they're really about the end of that cycle. But now oh, I feel like we're at the end of a different cycle. Right. I think the cycle that started with Reagan kind of ended, you know, with the 2016 uh, election, you know, and now we're in a different thing, you know? Yeah, um, that's interesting. You know, uh, you know, an area where Republicans are for tariffs and stuff like that. You're like, everything's been turned upside down. And, you know, so the end of that cycle has come, you know? Right. And so, but you see all the seeds of the world that we're in today, they were planted back then. Right. And so it's, it's really, it's really interesting. Uh, and not to mention, so, and people didn't realize in 81 that, because you know the whole world of the country music clubs, you know, in LA. I mean, people don't know that history, but it started in the. I, I wouldn't have guessed in a thousand years that there was country music clubs in LA in the eighties. I would think yeah. punk rock and glam yeah. rock and hair bands and well, disco. Hap- yeah, absolutely. It's it's completely lost to the you know, and um, so what happened is that in the nineteen thirties, you know, uh, even twenties with the Dust Bowl, you know. All with the, you had the okay migrations where all the you know the guy the guy the, the families who had lost there couldn't make a living farming in Oklahoma and the right. Appalachian and all that stuff trekked out to the west and went to the Central Valley to start working in fields and stuff like that and they were treated horribly and all that stuff. Um, but then with World War II and the Cold War, their children all came down to the LA basin to work in the aerospace industry you know there was a giant you know all the all the all the planes all the all that stuff from the cold war it's all it was all coming from la you know what i mean right so you had this giant industrial base in the san fernando valley and the la basin that was um you know union jobs people making good living and stuff like that (laughs) but you know what they still like a fiddle tune because they were okies and they brought all their culture and stuff like that that's why you have oh yeah haggard and so on. so people you know they bring out those living, banjos yeah so people were living a great middle class life and having those jobs and so you had those clubs you know all over the valley and the in long beach and stuff and that had hundreds of people on you know on weeknights you know what i mean and so and they were like huge hubs you know 
And musicians had a way of life of just working there six nights a week and making a good living and so like it was it was a completely different thing. Wow. But then when the Cold War ended and all that money got divested and all those companies that was employing those tens of thousands of people uh, uh you know divested and the whole economy in the San Fernando Valley and LA Basin uh, kind of crashed eight, uh, the late 80s and didn't recover until the mid to late 90s, uh, maybe like 95 or something like that. 96. And, and so that the whole economic base of that scene just went away. And you, so you had something that felt like it would never go anywhere. It's been there for 40 years. There, there's a culture, a tradition, uh, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, I mean, the Beatles would hang out there. They're like the ones so any everybody would hang out there, right? Um, and um, and just people didn't see it coming. So I think, like with the weird times that we live in, you know, all the you know, yeah, the, and the, even before this whole pandemic, you know, but we clearly live in a time where it's easy to feel like it's the end of something and go like, you know, what's going to happen next? But that's also something you know but then you have the young people and they're like dude i'm just getting started and i'm gonna make this work no matter what you know what i mean and so like being in a transitional period with a father and daughter and a person who's lost a lot and uh, who may feel like he's at the he's living through the end of a cycle but you have the young person who's like dude my cycle is just starting and right to make this work I thought that was very compelling for today and that, that I kind of became obsessed with that. And uh, yeah. When you talk about noir mm. and especially LA, there's some very popular or famous movies. I don't know if they're so popular anymore, but definitely famous movies that are set in LA for, uh, for that whole thing. You know, you mentioned LA confidential, uh, but of course there's some really classic ones like double indemnity and sunset Boulevard and the big sleep. Yeah. And was there any influences that you took from those movies? Yeah, I think the themes, you know, like because I'm doing an LA crime story, you know, I, I'm getting a lot of uh, people are very interested to know. Which I love that you're, I love this theme that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. What, why I think that, uh, um, why LA, you know, why is LA such a center for noir stuff? And I think it's about the, because of the California dream, yeah. you know, because when you say the American dream, really what people mean by that usually is just success. Right, you know, right. Just generally speaking, you right. know, just pursuit of happiness, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, yeah the American dream is not quite what people think it is. <laughs> no, but I don't think. I think. I mean, I think you hit on the on the on the board. I think the American dream is anywhere that you are, that just the success of what doing what yeah. you want to do. I, I think that that, but when you think of the California dream, you know, no one comes out west just to make money. You know, you people come out west with a dream. I'm going right. to be an actor. I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. You know. And so I think like the dreamers, like the actual dreamers, people who actually have a specific dream that they feel like that if they can get through that, everything's going to be right with the world, come to California and then they have to face, because this town here, it's all about arts meets commerce, you know, dreams meets uh, commodity and all that. So it's a very cynical place filled with dreamers who have to kind of protect themselves so they can cynical, but it's just a mask, you know? Yeah. And I think that is the nature of noir. You know, it's this sort of emotional uh, and moral kind of hypersensitivity of people who uh, uh, just hide it yeah. behind an armor, but they can't keep it on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can I ask you a quick question? 
Yeah. Do you hear the dog? I just heard the dog. Yeah. God, the dog is driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard him once. That's okay, all good. Okay, so it's not like because he's there's something out there that's bugging him, and he's like whining uh, and barking at it, and I'm like, ah, stop. <laughs> no, yeah, didn't, didn't hear it before. All right. So, what is? <laughs> I have to ask you, what is your favorite LA noir film? Because when I read your books, mm-hmm. I read them like I like a movie. You know, yeah. that's what I, that's what goes in my mind when I'm flipping through your pages. These are see, like like if you take silver, for example, I feel like you wrote a, a manuscript of saying, here you go. If you want to make this a movie, all the shots are are, are pre done for you. You just got to <laughs> you just got to shoot them in your camera in camera. That's all you got to do. And so I would imagine that you have some movies that you're like. Like to live and die in LA, or oh, that's kiss, the one I was going to mention. Yeah, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. You know what I mean? There's just so many great ones yeah, that know, are I set in that. The, um, you know the you know Heat, for instance. Yeah, is a great Alan movie. But I was going to say to live and die in LA. I mean that movie is such a time capsule. You yeah. know. Yeah, I mean um, it is the quintessential '80s LA movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there? Um, I have to ask just because. Uh, of some of the stuff that you've written before, is there a supernatural aspect to this, or is not that at all. not at all? Not at all. I, <laughs> I kind of like that because I, I I want the gritty realism. You yeah, know, yeah, this is completely. This is not. I mean, it's obviously mythologized and stuff like that in the sense that everything is maybe a little bit bigger than life than it actually was. You know, but uh, no, it's all real life stuff. Um, it's not, um, no, it's a lot more grounded and, uh, and there's also, you know, scenes that are like, this is also why, you know, I didn't use the CG reference for this. It's just for the big sort of, uh, kind of money shot kind of, you know, stuff. I also used it for intimate scenes. You know, it's funny cause I was doing a, I was working in the studio and I was uh, listening to an interview on the radio and a director, I can't remember who it is, mm-hmm. but uh, was saying that the biggest challenge for the director was a kitchen scene. If you can do a kitchen conversation scene and it's compelling, then that's, that's the best uh, challenge you can, you can have. And just as he was saying that I was in the, in the process of doing this scene between the father and daughter, Eddie and Lizette, who takes place in their, in their tiny little kitchen, which is very placed. I mean, it's, they have this little ranch house in uh, Silmar here in LA, you know, so it's very, if, if it rang, if it was off by any stretch, it would ring false immediately, you know? Uh, so I had that, I built that set in CG, but also just using that as a, cause it goes on for like seven pages. And you're in it. And I think the only way that you can, that the characters can really build a performance over seven pages is because the sets are rock solid. Yeah. And they, and they, they give them something real to kind of interact with and to kind of build their proximity and distance and how they move around the space and what it means with the ebb and flow of their emotions and stuff like that. So um, I don't remember why I was saying that at all, but uh, somehow that's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're talking about the aspects of because I I know your background. Oh yeah, yeah. And we don't want to muddy too much of 
all the other things that you do because because Stefan oh, yeah. is very much a 2000s Renaissance type of guy. He does lots of different things. Uh, comics happens to be, I think, a love of yours, and so that's why you 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 keep going back to comic books, which I I love because your work is stupendous. Thank you. But I know how influenced and how much you you think of film as you write and and draw. I mean, I sat through your your composition class at the uh, Emerald City Comic Con last year. Oh, that's right. That's right. And it was cool because uh, you're talking about, you know, keeping everything to the left or, you know, you talked about angles, you talked about storytelling. And so there's a, and you could tell there's a lot of influence on thinking of drawing as you're looking through a camera's eye. So I always wonder how, you know, what you're going through when you're when you're going because I, I I'm excited to read this book because I know that it's going to be like I'm going to be turning the pages yeah. of the comic book you know version of To Live and Die in L.A. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Thank you. Well, you know it, it, what? Here's what I love about comics. It's to me, it's at the meeting point of cinema and graphic arts. You know what I mean? Like at least the way I approach it. And it's true that like because you know I, as you know I. <laughs> We'll see how it goes, you know, now with this new thing, but like in terms of, you know, the world, you know, but I've done a lot of comic book conventions. So I, I've spoken with a lot of readers, especially in the last, you know, few years who, uh, and when I mean a lot, I mean like in the hundreds of thousands you know, <laughs> yeah. people that I've had literally conversations one-on-one and stuff. Um, so the thing that I hear the most about new readers yeah. in comic is that they, they would love to get into it, but they get confused. Yeah, because they're like, oh, I don't know where to look. I don't know who's who. What just happened? With the should I go to the right, to the left? You know, and, and so meanwhile, people are very familiar in the um, the language of movies because we've all seen. Even if you've never read a comic book in your life, you've seen a thousand movies. You know what I mean? So it's it's everybody's second language, and um, the whole point of movies is to not confuse the audience unless you want to, which is sometimes the point, but except for that, you know, so film language is about clarity. It's about making sure that the audience uh, stays oriented, that, that you create this virtual space that stays consistent. And again, lets you build a performance or something, you know, from shot to shot. And in the, the minds uh, of the audience, it exists as this one consistent virtual space that they kind of are immersed in. So when I lay out my books, I just do it this way, and people when when I when people say it's cinematic, people might think that it means that everything is like a storyboard panel that is like in the yeah. screen, and it's not something you have. I actually love vertical panels, but um, but just the the some some movie rules, movie making rules, if you will, in terms of not crossing the line, in terms of what the shot really is about, you know, all that stuff. I you know, so it. That's why people say you read like a movie because there's nothing in the storytelling that pulls you out of the storytelling by feeling like it's out of place or all of a sudden you're not clear what just happened and stuff like that. So clarity to me is paramount. Yeah. And and it clarity gets you because if you want people to be emotionally involved or to get anxious about a scene or characters or the stakes, you can confuse them at the same time because you take away their their bandwidth to be able to care about your stuff. So on the one hand, I, I approach the page that way, but on the other hand, there's you know like I'm here in the studio, I'm, I'm looking at some of the books I permanently have on my 
stand, you know, like all my books are like in bookshelves, but there's some of them that are just facing out so I can see them constantly, you know, yeah. like I'm seeing the dark Knight return or I'm seeing like the first one, the first issue of American flag or uh, whatever, you know, and those are books that although they're extremely cinematic, every single page is a unique piece of graphic art. I love it. Uh, and you, you know, when you see like, uh, last, um, last year, uh, I got to see at a collector's house, I got to see one of the actual uh, original pages from dark Knight returned and you see, and you go, yeah, it's that page. So you know, which one it is, not yep. the one before, not the one after. And it's interesting because you're talking about books that have a lot of text in it. I mean, it's written, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you know. Uh, it relies on on the the word just as much as it relies on the drawing, but yet the words and drawing just come together in a way that is completely visually unique. And each page is like it's a singular sort of piece that uh, you know. And so that that's what I'm trying to do: something that reads like a movie but stands out like a unique piece, page by page. That's my that's my goal. Yeah, that's perfect. How did you? <laughs> I'm looking at your Kickstarter page right now. And you got your video that starts. Yeah. And the first thing, the first image that you see is the truck. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And you got, and the colors are very, I don't, what, what would you call that color scheme? Not pastel. Uh, there's something muggy in a sense. Yeah. Uh, well, first, like the one you're referring to, I think it's the one with the, uh, it's at the, the Palomino, right? So it's a neon, neon uh, sort of sign. So there's a lot of red and stuff like that. But, you know, like... No, this one is, you oh. see the truck and you see the brake lights are on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's then you see like the hot, you, hit, you yeah. see that like kind of like the, the shadowed out Pento on the left and they're going yeah, down the, right. the street. There's a that, house on the left with the blue light coming oh, out. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's his, that's his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so that, that's supposed to be Silmar, California. Yeah. So that's a street. I built that whole street in CG and... Uh, uh, um the vehicles I'm using CG models too, just for because I mean, all that stuff is so specific, you know, yeah. but then I kind of reprocess it and redraw it so that it's ple it's a pleasing, um, which is really like the, the classic, um, illustrators, uh, uh, process, you know, like if you're looking at people like Norman Rockwell on, I mean, like the, the whole thing is you start by sketching something out from imagination. Then you go get ton of reference, to match what you picture in your mind. Yeah. Because if you start with a reference, of course, you're going to start with something stuck. So you have to start with an image that just is born in your mind. And once you have that, then you go get the reference to kind of certify it. And then you do the actual drawing based on that. So in those days, you know, it was that they, they had models basically, because that's really all they, you know, all they, they couldn't Google anything, obviously, let alone CG. So it was just, they were shooting their own models. Uh, and these days it's like you have Google to, really explore everything you know sometimes i if it's a location i even just like go google earth like i said and just just roam through the street and through the space anywhere in the world you know and then you can get your cg uh, sets and stuff like that. so and that helps you solidify what you kind of had in your imagination and what's really amazing is how close you find that oh because if it's a subject you kind of know whether because you can imagine it correctly or because you've kind of lived through it usually you're pretty close that's it's pretty fun is that like a 76 chevy is that what i'm looking at yeah 77 did you go through and find models of those cars so you, you can correctly because when i looked at it it looks just like my truck out in my driveway 
except for mine's red. You are correct. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then I realized, and then I realized when it was all said and done, yeah. that there's a guy who lives uh, like 300 yards from my house who has that exact truck, even the exact same color and stuff like that. <laughs> so I could have just like gone and take pictures of it. It was just literally across the street, uh, you know. Oh, that's awesome. That, but Do, when you draw these things out, is there anything in there that you're like, I wish I would have had this, so I'm going to draw it? You know what I mean? Like a favorite car? Uh, for me, just because I'm not so much a car guy, I have to yeah. admit, although vehicles are huge, are really characters in this story. Yeah. Uh, but it's the instruments. Like, uh, uh, you know, like I was at some point, because I'm drawing a lot of club scenes and people playing music, stuff like that. I was drawing this guy. He had like a great white falcon, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this looks good. <laughs> I want like that. I want one of those. that. <laughs> I always wanted that with artists when they're drawing big scenes and there's like, yeah. like you just said, like there's instruments or they're drawing a big scene with a lot of cars in it or buildings or houses. If they're like, ah, I want, this is what I would have wanted. You know what I mean? This is my dream car, or my dream house. And they just stick it in a story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, because I gotta be honest, man, I feel like I've seen, because we, we you've had a little bit of a media blitz going on, trying to get this thing out, which is awesome. And I've seen that truck mm. a few different times. I feel like it's a big part of the story. It is a huge. It, again, it is a character. I mean, yeah. like all the. I mean, it's L.A., right? I mean, it's it's really about life in L.A. and life about you know in L.A. in 1981, vehicles, buildings, locations, uh, the overall vibe. Um, you know, like there's a thing that I I, I think is very. I, I don't feel that anywhere else. Um, is uh, in L.A. you kind of walk around in the middle of the day. And everything yeah. feels maybe you know what maybe Phoenix is a bit like, but I've never lived in Phoenix, so I don't know what actually is happening there. You know, but um, although I love doing the conventions, but I'm a favorite once. Uh, but um, yeah, so but you're in LA and you, you know, and everything feels and the sun is like super kind of burning everything, and you feel like nothing's moving, nothing's happening, everybody's asleep, and you know, yeah. there's like a stillness to it. But then you enter, you know. It, and, and in fact, everybody has a million things going on, and that that's it. that's a like a, a weird LA thing that I was trying to get across in the book, you know. And, you know, it's one of those that you know. That's the, talk about the visual challenges in the book. Uh, one of them was really transcribing feelings and experiences that are not necessarily all hundred percent visual. Right. Uh, so what I was talking about is one of them, but uh, music. Right, we're in the club, and I'm really trying to uh, get a having somebody just reading the page, and and this is also, by the way, where the colors are so important to really get the same sort of emotional triggers that would happen if the person was listening to the actual song. Right, right. How do you do that? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, you know, like you got him in the club and, and you're going to have music going up. And a lot of times with they'll have music notes showing in the air. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They might yeah. even they might even say what song is playing, which kind of which kind of helps. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, how do you how do you express that feeling of walking into a club? And especially in the 1980s, where you have cigarette smell in the air, you have, you know, an overabundance of alcohol. You probably have cocaine happening in the bathroom and you got to yeah. mix all this stuff in and trying to get all that out in a scene. I, I got to imagine that must've been difficult. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because you're really touching on the the heart of my approach to drawing. Yeah. Uh, because the you know drawing can live with symbols on one side that are very clear but not emotional or don't trigger any emotional response, and then just things that are descriptive and that uh, um, you know uh, really make you feel a certain way. Uh, you know, like the example I always, uh, you know, is the walk, don't walk, you know, green or red man on the, in the street, right? It's a symbol. It's perfectly clear, but you don't care about what's going on with that person. You just understand what's going on, right? And so in my drawing, I always try to stay away from those sort of abstract symbols that help you get an idea across so people understand, but do I feel don't have any sort of uh, emotional value on the page, you know? So uh, that's why I decided to stay away from anything that signifies like, oh, the guy's playing, look, there's a quarter notes, you know, like floating. Yeah. No, you know, I try to just, just, just through his emotions, just his motion, his position, the colors, the expression, the fact that somebody says play one man and you see him doing it. And, I'm trying to get that vibe, and I think it's working a lot better than if I had gonna, you know, it's the same, you know, when when somebody's hit on the head, I don't want to see like little stars and stuff like that. Those are symbols, you know. I'd rather yeah. have a drawing that kind of makes you feel the exact energy of what's happening, as opposed to, and I think then the context uh, gives you the rest, you know. But I think when you draw like that, um, you can't overthink it. Because as you said, like, how do you, I, I, I don't know when I'm doing it. It's like, I'm performing it. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm in the moment. I'm just happened to be, it's my hand and the pen that's moving, but really it's just like, I'm sort of, I could be, if I was an actor, I could be acting it. If I was a dancer, I'd be dancing it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I, I'm just trying to live through it and it comes out through whichever, you know, craft is the one that I, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Working, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. So you got, Volume one's done. Yeah. And you're just trying to get it, get, get through everything. You've already made your goal, which is stupendous. Thank you. And are you going to offer any stretch goals or? So we'll see. I'm still trying to figure out. So like the, the thing for me is that. It's kind of a catch 22 with people. It's like, yeah, it's cool. Or it's not. I mean, you got, you got some great pledges there. So you don't need to do a stretch goal. You know what I mean? That's right. And here's the thing that to me is beautiful about this campaign is that, you know, like I said, you know, I know all those those, I have those friends now who people that I really looked up to, you know, even before living here and who, uh, you know, musicians from the pal and all that stuff. And that whole culture, there was really like a, a subculture there that's, you know, to this day has stayed connected, although there's no, not the scene is not there, you know? Uh, and so I was like, well, either they're going to reject and hate this, or they're going to love it and embrace it. And just how much they've embraced it. Um, That's awesome. you know, it's, it's just a wonderful, you know, um, I, 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 so I'm more interested in, so like th this is, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in like raising the, uh, getting people now come back to get a hard cover. So I don't care about that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. What I really want is that as, especially in these, these times where, you know, the places, a lot of places of business are, are closed. So there's not that many avenues to distribute stuff. Right. I just want to make sure that everybody whose life would get a little bit, uh, uh, you know, be like a, a ray of sunshine if they get the, this book for them for whatever reason. 
if they if we can get it to them then i'm happy you know what i mean yeah so i'm more interested in just keeping keep talking to more comic fans music fans musicians and stuff like that who have been coming out in droves to to get their one copy and just get that and i'm really really happy and i just want to make sure that as many awesome. people as possible know about this you know yeah yeah, that's um, the most important part. Getting yeah. get, getting it out as much as possible. Like I said, you have plenty of great pledges. Um, it does kind of seem weird when people go back and do a stretch goal because, like, well, I just spent two hundred dollars. You could have gave me that too. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I know, I know, and you know, and sometimes it's great. Like, like yeah. for instance, you know, if it's like if, if sometimes it makes total sense, right? Well, like, you did instance, like on silver. You did. You had that um, slip cover that you did after the fact of everything, and that was awesome. I don't remember if the slipcover came after or if it came. It was like for volume four, right? Wasn't it part of volume four? Something where we had like a one, two punch was, uh, no, I think you're, you're thinking volume three and Rosalind. Oh, maybe I, maybe I am. Cause what happened? Cause you know, Rosalind really, I mean, you can read it before or after there's, yep. you know, cause it's a prequel. So you can read it anytime, but um, you know, there where it ties into the story uh, of Silver. You know, uh, uh, as you're reading Silver, is between Volume Three and Four. Yeah. So what we did is we did the Kickstarter for Volume Three, which get funded and stuff like that, and then and we said, oh, and guess what? There's a prequel that you know it really opens up another dimension. It's really fun, and people were like, oh my god, yes, this, this is yeah. But you know, like, so it really enhances the experience. Yeah, it was a value All add. That, because you know, I see people, for instance, who also it makes total sense. Like for instance, they're, they're going to do an art book, yeah, and it costs you know X to make, and it gets funded. Yeah, know, that's a lot money, different. You know? Yep, yep. If, if you can just put ten more dollars, then we can get this in the cover, you know, carved, you know, like you know, whatever. And that's oh, okay, great. Makes that the pays for the better. extra printing costs and everything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. for trade, I just like. You know, I'm not going to gild a lily and have you spend more money than you have to. If you want to read this book, <laughs> it's here for you. If you're interested in the art prints, they're here for you. Yeah, if you want yep. to the server, they're here for you. And I just want as many people as possible to. So we got volume one is funded. Yeah. Uh, volume two is going to be what next year, I would imagine, or the year after. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, uh, next year. You know? Yeah. And how, do you have a planned set of volumes that you want to give away or, yeah, or so, say? So, or? Yeah, yeah. It's like silver. It's it's planned to. Uh, I'm planning on being four volumes. Nice, nice. Oh man, I'm excited. Oh man, uh, you know, there's one more thing too that uh, um, just came out like when the you know quarantine and so like started, and I, I don't know why, but this other. You know how I always say, I was saying earlier that you know I have those ideas in my head, and all of a sudden I know what it is, and I have to do it. Right. And just a month ago, I so I've had this idea for a long time called Space Gods. Yeah, right. Uh, and so uh, actually called uh, it is love in the in the in the age of the space gods. Yep, yep. Which is awesome. We've been putting them out on our Facebook page. If people yeah. want to go, and so they're yeah, so good. And, you know, absolutely. And in the in the spirit of the quarantine, the the stuff that I was doing at the time it was like you know I just. Just gonna put it out for free, and whenever I do it, I just put it out, and people have been subscribing, and yep. I send it through them to, through the newsletter, and it's been a little spotty now with the the Kickstarter because obviously I'm busy with that, you know. But it's gonna it's gonna continue, it's gonna come back, and it's it's a real fun, weird thing. I love it. You got those <laughs> mice, and it's yes. just it's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Couldn't be more different from anything else. Yep. You know, but uh, you know. It's, you know, 
crazy. It's good. It's good. It's really. It's it's actually really good. I'd highly recommend. Do you have a direct link that we can say? Is it uh, is it at darkplanetcomics.com? Yeah, yeah. If you will go to Dark Planet Comics, uh, they can read it there. And yep. I, I just find personally that uh, the nicest way that it presents itself is on your cell phone. So if you if you read the first few chapters, uh, uh, I think there's five or six out. And uh, if you want to know more, just you can subscribe. And then whenever they come out, they just get emailed uh, to you for free. And then you can read it on your cell phone. And I think this is because uh, I've put it together as a um, – so the, the pages exist as pages, as regular comic. I'm actually doing it in manga yeah. format. Yeah. But uh, it's, it doesn't look like a manga at all. But I thought that was the right size for it. Uh, so the actual pages are like that. Oh, cool. But, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, what I'm putting out digitally, it's a scroll, like webtoons or whatever. So it's really easy to read and easy on the eye on your on your iPhone. So I, I just find it like a fun little thing, and it's free. And I have no plans to make people pay for it anytime soon. So yeah, yeah, definitely go check that out because it's a lot of fun. Just go to darkplanetcomics.com and romance in the age of space gods. <laughs> yeah it's it's actually a lot of fun we've been uh I, every time you put one out on facebook i've been sharing it on the spoiler country facebook page oh thank you so if people are subscribed there you can scroll through and, you, and you'll find it out on that one as well so yeah no i was really like it was really fun because i put it out like completely out of the blue i didn't you know and, and then people responded people were like oh this is fun yeah you it's know? cool it's fun it's funny and it's it's you know it's irreverent <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. 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 It's kind of you have to read it because the uh, the main character, the guy, is uh, he's grumpy. Yeah, definitely he's, is grumpy. Yeah, he's he's grumpy. You know, and so it's as, it's as we all are these days. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, Stefan, I'm super excited for Palomino to come out, I, and that's that's not blowing smoke. I'm I'm really 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 excited. I can't wait to uh, have a copy in my hands and and begin reading it. Um, just so people are aware. We're going to have Stefan come back on. We're going to do a deep dive just like we did on Silver, which was a lot of fun. And you're going to get a lot of insight on how he does how he does things, how why he chose the colors that he chose, why he chose the story mode that he did, and how we got to where we, to what we have in our hand. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. And I'll tell you, this book is so specific that there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate thank it. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Anytime. All right, get out there, go fund. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, bye. So, yeah, that was fun. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Palomino looks... And sounds amazing. I mean, I if it's coming from wait. Stephen Frank, it, it, it's going to be amazing. The guy, the guy puts out pure gold. Yeah. And did you hear? I I, I backed the last two hundred dollar level. Oh, you did. Yeah. I will be in volume two. What? <laughs> How jealous are you? That's cool. So while we're on with him, I was like, yeah. I got I, you know, and I was listing it off. I'm like, done. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. I'll probably get in trouble later, but that's okay. It's going to be worth Whatever. it. Whatever. It's Stephen done. Frank. It's done. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. Stephen Frank's going to draw my ugly mug in his comic book, and I will be immortalized forever. And it's going to be epic. (laughs) No, I'm very excited. If I think everybody should get out there, check out Kickstart. Go to kickstarter.com and just do a search for Palomino. That's P-A-L-O-M-I-N-O or Stephen Frank and Stephen with P-H and his last name is F-R-A-N-C-K. And just check it out because it looks amazing. Uh, his first go around with Kickstarter was with for his book Silver, which was all in black and white, which looked amazing. Yeah, it's and awesome. then now he's doing full color, and it's just like, what can this guy not do? I I don't know. I think I think he can do everything. Literally everything. Yeah. He plays music. Yep. He plays guitar. He draws. He directs. He writes stories. I mean, the guy's just he's a full on Renaissance man. I'm just. I love and hate him at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just so good. Just yeah, so good. I, I was kind of sad that I was only on part of this episode because I really wanted to uh, to be a part of the whole thing. But uh, right. life goes other ways sometimes. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I highly guys get out there. Check it out. And um, yeah. 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 Check it out. Show us, some, show us below. Click the link or go search for it. Do it. I backed it. Kenny backed it. You should back it too. There you go. All right, man. I think that's a show. That's yeah. That's that's a show, man. Any parting words, Johnny? I got a couple words of wisdom. I have some words of wisdom that everybody wait, wait, should. Wait, wait, it's it's words of wisdom with Johnny Horsley. So today's words of wisdom with Johnny Horsley. You need to go to spoilerverse.com and check out all the amazing podcasts that are there, like Spoiler Country and Bridging the Geekdom and Shooting the Sith and Nerdtocalypse and Haphazard Adventures and Misery Point Radio and Polygon Warriors and Narrative Gunslingers. And Funny Book Forensics and all the other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head because I don't have a list. But they're all there. And you should go listen to the, all of them and comment on all of them. And then go look at the articles from Sarah Kay, the K-Files, and the Roaches in from Jay Roach. And all of the great Star Wars articles from Robert Savinsky. And all of the great press releases and video game articles from Colton Bird. And all of the other articles from all the other people who write stuff. Because, you know, you have a lot of people who like to write things for you for you to read. And there's no paywall. So you can go there and read and listen to your heart's content. And go back and watch Drinks and Comics Season 1 because it's all up there too. And watch... Karen and I make a drink, drink a drink, and talk <laughs> comics and movies. It's all awesome. You should do it all and do it all now. Thank you. You sound like the guy at the end of the little micro vehicles that can talk really fast. <laughs> right. You know, I remember, the, remember those commercials? Yeah. And it was so funny. Or it's the guy at the end of almost any commercial that's talking about some kind of legal thing or contest that has to say it really fast and really low. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I do talk fast, and so it works, it works for me there. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. All right, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Please visit us next time here (laughs) on Spoiler Country. Hey, don't forget, in an oceans of podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.